0: All right, so welcome to episode three of the Paul Hickey podcast. We're going to have a special guest on the line in a minute, former WNBA forward, Barbara Ferris. She and I worked together back in the day for the Detroit Shock when I was director of marketing and public relations, and she was a uh, star forward for our team. So I'm going to get her on the line momentarily and uh, see what she's been up to. Hello. Hello. That's way better. Is that better?
1: It's a little, but it's still sketchy.
0: Okay. Sorry about that. No, it's
1: probably me. I'm out in here in Mississippi,
0: and it's—I don't. I think my connection is a little. It's a little sketchy. (laughs) Okay. No worries so again thanks for being on the show we're just gonna have some fun and catch up and i'll ask you some questions and we can just catch up i'll tell you what i've been up to too but uh so basically i'm doing this podcast this is episode three it's kind of fun for me i get to talk about business um ask people questions around what you know what sort of drives them um talk about their career and just their life and stuff like that and uh to get go, it plays nicely with what I do for a living, which is uh, build digital marketing strategies and I build uh, websites and um, help people grow their businesses. So, a lot of times that uh, we'll need to create content in order to tell story. Uh, mm-hmm. So, kind of I'm tell their story, like regardless of who they are, I think it's important to get out there. I thought of you actually as someone who I wanted to have on the ship because uh, you're one of my people. You're one of my quiet favorite people today. Uh, uh, media related to the project where you were playing. Uh, <laughs> I'm i i if i People happy to have. You on uh, what have you been up to lately? And she's Facebook messaging me saying she can't hear anything. <laughs> well, now I hear you. It's the weirdest thing. Like, I, it's
1: the way that it's coming through. But I, I did hear the question. So, what I've been up to, so I'll try and. Uh, hopefully, give you what I can. But um, thank you so much. I mean, again, all of the love is reciprocated. I mean, can I call you Hickey? I don't know, because that's always how I've <laughs> addressed you. But um, uh, I've, I've finished playing, retired in '09, and uh, went straight into teaching and coaching at the high school level. And I've been pretty uh, happy and content and successful at a small uh, private school in a suburb of New Orleans, um, teaching health and physical education and also psychology and uh, and coaching girls basketball, pretty much junior high through the varsity level. And just enjoyed it and just loved the learning of it. And just, I mean, being affiliated with the Shock organization and being surrounded by so many, like, I guess we'll giggle at this about so many stars and elite players with these names and these stories, collegiate careers. It was always so humbling to be around all that. So I love, I've always been a lover of learning. So I take that to a transition to that in my post-playing career and just trying to pass on that passion as I got older. Because It's not even like in high school, nobody really likes all the ripping and running, but once you gotten someone to pay for your college scholarship because you can dribble a basketball or paid you a salary because and allowed you to travel the war because you can play a little basketball. I've always been very grateful and, and appreciative of all those blessings. So I try and remind that to the young people that I that I encounter every day just to stay humble and stay hungry. And so I, I love the teaching aspect. I love the interactions. And kids kids are fun. Like they'll they'll keep you they'll keep you honest because, you know, they've got such big egos and they don't care what you've done or who you've met or whatever, because you know they—they—they're all Instagram and Snapchat superstars. So um, it, it, it's a, it's a very humbling uh, endeavor to be in a classroom every day with kids who I've got to somehow find a common language to kind of uh, remind them or instill in them that education really is the the tool that can help you achieve any and all goals and dreams in life, and it's just. You know, you may not be able to run and jump as high as the guy or girl next to you, but if if you've got a degree or you have a plan or you've got a skill, it provides options. So I try and speak from a genuine place in that regard to my students and my student athletes every day. You, you got to have options because this world is 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 rough, and it can. It, there's so many benefits to, you know, this. Um, Internet age and social media savvy group of young people. Like literally, I don't. Under, I had to have someone explain to me what Snapchat is. They're like, so it's like a video message. So I'm like, so that's what a Snapchat is. I'm like, I just can't. And now I sound like <laughs> all the, the, now I sound like all the paranoid people from like Ancient Aliens and stuff like that. Like, where is all that data going? Like, I don't, I don't trust it. Where are my pictures going? So, but it's it's funny to be able to have those conversations with young people just. And, and just see the curiosity because you once you reach a certain age, you get kind of settled and you know where you are and you know your path. but every day they inspire me to see something new and something great and just to hope and dream big but
0: it, but it's fun. I love it that is awesome, so cool to hear after basketball is going well, that's awesome. Um, you've got a great perspective from your professional playing career. I know just personally. Um, knowing you, I know that you played um, for about ten years in the WNBA and also overseas. And I believe you played in. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think um, Korea or um, some some places um, that are pretty interesting. You got to travel the world, and and I think like one of the things I always really respected about you is that you you did never take that for granted. You always worked hard. You were always um, kind of a, a product of the work that you put in. And you kind of mentioned, you know, being around some superstars and Olympians and things like that. And I think, I mean, you, one thing I always observed from you is, like, your hard work ethic and your perspective, like, made you a starter in the WNBA. And, like, and like you, you earned playing time. Like, you earned everything that you got. And, um, and then you always kind of took the experience that you were having. And whenever you were doing something off court, you were always soaking that up as well. didn't take for granted even your time off the court wherever you were, whether it be Detroit or another city in the U.S. that maybe you would have been in had it not been for basketball. And then, of course, like traveling the world. Can you just kind of talk a little bit about um, basketball, um, what that, that experience allowed you to do in traveling the world and, and gaining some perspective that now you're able to – like you were kind of saying, now you're able to apply that stuff in life after basketball as a teacher. Oh,
1: definitely. Like I uh, graduated college in 1998 and uh, started in the WNBA in 2000. And as soon as you, you know, most of who aren't familiar with the league, we play in the summer months. So you've got to, if you want to, continue playing because that's a long off season. So most players play in Europe and Asia and a lot of their leagues over there. And so I took full advantage of those opportunities and, played in France and Spain and Korea and Czech Republic and, and Turkey and Greece and just loved every every experience. I remember my first team that I ever played for was in Strasbourg, France. And obviously it's my first year in the WNBA and first I mean I traveled abroad in college. We did a, like a little European tour with our team for two weeks, but, you know, living there for eight Eight nine months is a totally different experience. And, you know, I, I didn't speak French. I mean, I took Latin in high school, so uh, I felt at least comfortable enough if I saw it. I could I, I knew the origin of the word from, from taking Latin. But just, again, always being humbled. And if, if I knew I didn't, and the beauty of being in France my first year abroad was that they did not take kindly to foreigners who weren't making an effort to speak the language or, or acclimate. Like, there was, and I had great, like senior teammates that were would take me around their their group of friends and I I would socialize with them off the court. It was just a, like an educational experience. And so you're sitting back and you're listening to these conversations and you're even though I may not understand the I could I speak great conversational friends still to this day. Like I, I know the the origins. I know the words. Maybe my verb intensive verb tense agreement isn't quite what it needs to be. But I just I love listening and love And just trying to acclimate because I I always struggled and and I saw the struggles of my teammates or people who were living abroad and having these great experiences but never fully engulfing themselves in the culture. Like I was living in Turkey and I would, every day we had a day off, I would just, you know. Walk around and go to some of the mosques and find a friend, a local or someone that that was more familiar with the area. And I wouldn't just do the Westerner things or the American hang out with the other Americans that were there. I wanted to know what was going on and 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 learn about all these places that I'd only seen online or in textbooks when I was in school. So it just it, it was just a Completely humbling and eye-opening and culturally enhancing experience that I still carry with me to this day. I mean, my dad would come and stay with me for a month in every city I played in. Like he loved it. Like it was just I don't I don't understand why anyone. And I tell a number of my students that why I don't. If you don't know what you want to do or you're not really sure of your next step, I would say travel abroad. I mean, maybe it's not as as as, uh, as safe as it was when I was there 10 years ago, but I would say travel abroad and just see something outside of your elements. Like you sh- if you only surround yourself with people who are look like you, sound like you, talk like you, are or, or live within a five-mile radius, you're not, you're not really experiencing all that this world has to offer. I mean, so I, I, I always try and instill that gem of life, real-life experiences that I have through basketball, being able to travel the world and and impart that in the students I
0: teach every day. I think your students are amazingly lucky to have you in their lives, uh, for you know, that being one of the reasons why, because you can give them you can at least give them some of that advice. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of students out there today that, you know, that aren't getting that advice. And um, you know, I think personally my wife Kate has uh, Encouraged encouraged our family to travel. So we take our two kids, you know um, Max is going to be eight and Samantha's uh, just turned six. We've taken them Around the world already a couple times uh, to different uh, foreign countries and um, it's like the best thing ever I was a little scared. I, w- I wasn't sure about doing it and um, I learned every time we do a family vacation whether it be to another country or whether it just be to another part of our great country like this past summer we went to, or th- actually this summer we went to, um, New York, Boston, and, uh, and uh, a couple other places out East and traveling, you learn so much to your point, And, uh, I think your students are lucky to have you. And I just wanted to ask you, so you could have done anything. I mean, you're super talented. You could have, I think you could have probably had any type of career with a lot of the contacts that you made, um, throughout your playing career. And, um, I think it's awesome that you're a coach and a teacher, but why? Why did you pick? Uh, why did you pick becoming a coach and a teacher? What what kind of led you down that path?
1: I I mean I really would just say it was a combination of a little luck and an opportunity presented itself. Uh, I was I don't know again it's always around athletics. I was at a, a little playground basketball game with a with a friend and a former college. Uh, friend of mine whose family actually runs this school saw me in the stands, what he's doing. I'm like, Well, oh, I just retired. I'm trying to figure out what my next move is. You know, just luxuriating as you do when you finish, when you're, when you're not having to be on a different continent or a different state every other month. And uh, he just said, well, we're, we're looking, we have a position. I think you'd be great at it. And I said, okay, let me see. And it, it, it really just happened organically. It, it was just, I was in the right spot. Um, I that and I really truly believe, you know, if, if you don't if you don't love teaching and coaching, don't do it just because you don't know what else to do. Because children will test you every day, and so <laughs> I, I, I love I, I love that. I don't I don't mind young people. I've, I've taught i I've taught AAU when I was in or coached AAU when I was in high school. Well, you know, just little babies, like a little six year old or something like that, that would just so they wouldn't fall over a ball every time they like, touched I love the interactions and just kinda teaching a new skill set. I, I I do enjoy that and as I've gotten older and I guess learned more about the skill of patience and, and player management, I, I feel like I'm I learn something every day because you know, every kid has a different skill set, every kid has different different either basketball intelligence or emotional intelligence. So really have to have an interest in connecting with them or, or, like I said, speaking their language so that you can maximize whatever skills that they have because everyone's not going to be, you know, the, the next Maya Moore or Deanna Nolan or Candace Parker. So it's like trying to figure out what their strengths are, how you can impart whatever knowledge or experiences you have to help inspire or pull out anything that can help better them, to help them or maybe have a... An inkling of whatever enjoyment and that that experiences that I had throughout my career. So it, it just happened. I was just in the right spot at the right time, and it happened. It happened naturally.
0: That's awesome, and uh, you're loving it. And how many? Tell us a little bit more about the school and the and the ages of the students that you teach and coach, and uh, how long you've been there and all that stuff.
1: Oh yeah, uh, the name of the school is John Curtis Christian Academy. It's in the suburbs. Uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. It's a, uh, I guess, the kindergarten through twelfth grade uh, school. So it's got a, maybe about 850 students. I mean, it's it's a little smaller, but I mean, it's it's a pretty much nationally regarded football powerhouse school. Like I didn't, even, I mean, I I'm from New Orleans, so I knew that about them, but I didn't realize how, you know, how much family is ingrained within the school. I mean the the founder of the school was deceased now, but it was a family started school, a, a Baptist minister and his wife started the school. They wanted, no, it's it's, it's non-denominational, but it's based in a Christian foundation and, and educational and education. So all of the family members worked there. It took me a year before I was there and this will be now my, uh, I think eighth year, I think, um it took me a little while to realize that they're all siblings and cousins and and buried in laws or something like that and it took me a year to realize all the connections obviously because now all of them, but most of them are curses there or either former alumni that are that are now teaching and working there in some capacity and it's just very it's been a very inviting environment i love it even my five-year-old niece just started she's been there for two years in the pre-k3 class even at pre-k3 i forgot about that cause <laughs> cool. Of nursery opportunities. And so It's just a very family-friendly environment and they, uh, with a great balance of the importance of academics and obviously advancing your future and with phenomenal um, athletic coaches who um, who are committed to their craft and are pretty knowledgeable. I mean, the, the head and the principal right now is J.C. Curtis. And I think he's probably the winningest High school football coach in in, in in this country, I think I don't I don't know it's something ridiculous. Like he's won so many games, it's, I don't even think he's won. But he's in like the Hall of Fame for high school coaches and whatnot. So it's a constant parade during um, the open recruiting period of the who's who of of D1 football. Like I've I've run on Nick Saban so many times and a bunch of SEC and every Gate Power, what is it called, Power 5 conferences, coaches, I don't even know yeah. what that was, until I started working there, so I'm like, oh, who's that? They're like, oh, that's the Notre coach, so I'm like, what? But it's, it's, it's a pretty fun place
0: to work. That is awesome, very exciting. Um, it's really cool that you were able to, you know, return home, like you said, and, and uh, kind of be part of this family atmosphere at the school, and uh, have this connection, like couple, couple, couple different kind of connections with the community since you're from there, and and then of course it sounds like you've got a lot of uh, a lot of people that you knew from back in the day that you've been able to reconnect with, and then um, so yeah, uh, Barbara Ferris, we are talking to former WNBA star player, uh, former Tulane star, and so now she has returned home to coach. Uh, at a great school down outside of New Orleans. And um, so, Barbara, I got to ask you because I'm curious. So when you were hired uh, to be a teacher, did you have to uh, do any kind of extra education? Had you already, did you already have sort of a degree in being able to become a teacher in, in, in education? Or did you have to go through any kind of certification to, to then go teach at the school? maybe walk us through your process of transitioning from a uh, playground pickup basketball game to job offer to, uh, to then teaching our youth. Oh, I know, God bless
1: you. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't even know if this is the case in different states, but yeah. the way Louisiana educational system is set up, if you're in a private or a charter school, as long as you have a 40-year uh, degree and I, I graduated from Tulane in 98 with a undergrad degree in uh, sociology and a minor in, in um, uh, I think it was my, media arts or something. And so um, uh, obviously you take like the baseline education courses and those psychology classes, but uh, being certified isn't a requirement in, in private and charter schools, but I was interested in continued education because I, just, I feel like it, it made me more comfortable in the classroom. like. Right? Focusing on how to write lesson plans and understanding what a rubric is and and uh, standards and guidelines in terms of um, baseline requirements of what's required to to receive the credits uh, for a class. So I, it, was, it wasn't required, but it was encouraged. Encouraged in my school, so. I did complete the teaching certification program and yeah. take all those practices oh, and continued education classes to make sure that you um, get your certification. So I did enroll at Southern University in New Orleans. Because Tulane, did, uh, obviously, post a trainer, they cut a number of programs at a lot of schools. And so these schools in New Orleans there were offering. And I was, again, being that I graduated in 98, this is 2009, so you know, methods of instruction had changed the and it's kind of moved to a very online Sunday platform and I was still more comfortable in the classroom setting, so I felt the student Southern University of New Orleans program kind of accommodated my comfort levels at the time and because I just felt like between, you know, teaching, lesson plans and, and coaching from, you know, August until March made it harder to be able to take the online format. And I've taken a number of am in my master's right now and it's an online format and it's just, it's so accelerated. So I knew that would be something that would be hard for me, working full time and being able to have to read two chapters of a book and turn in a 10-page paper with at least 15 sources cited and whatnot in periodicals. So, but I've enjoyed the continued education process and learning and, and, and having a refreshed Perspective, because obviously when you're in college and, you're, and I was a Division One athlete, you can you can have some moments where you lapse and, and you're like, gosh, I'm so sorry, and maybe I'll turn that paper late and I'll just take that out and pick it up later. But you know, you have to be structured and as razor sharp focus with your time when you're a full time student and you have a full time job and insert family and personal responsibilities and whatnot. So. Um, it, I, I definitely have a, a re- renewed respect for continued education. Those who are seeking and enhancing their letters behind their name with advanced degrees, because I'm in the thick of it right now. So, but it's it's fun. You'll love it when you realize, like, damn, I am paying that bill, so I'm not I'm not I'm not taking that L this time.
0: <laughs> yeah. For real. I mean, that is awesome. It's a, To me, it's a great example of a few different things. I mean, I think number one, like it's really relevant to anyone out there who, you know, is maybe in a job and wants to change careers. I mean, I think like a lot of people don't necessarily realize that when you start off your career out of college as a professional athlete, like the way that you did, um, a lot of, you know, Adults that are in careers don't really realize that then that person has to reinvent themselves like they have to at some point they have to change careers because, Mm -hmm. you know, you you can't, you know, you can't go on, you know, even like a a lot of professional football players, you know, even on the salaries that they make, you know, their careers are so short. And um, there's only so many only so many people can be in the WNBA, the NBA and major league baseball and things like that. And so point is you've reinvented yourself. You've taken the steps to, uh, to find a second career that you love. And now you're, you're even trying to be better at it by kind of going the extra mile and getting more of an education than you really even needed. Like you met the, you met the minimum requirements, but I think it's really cool that you are going the extra mile. And I mean, you're totally reinventing yourself, which I think is applicable to, uh, to just about anyone. I think a lot of people who may be listening would be in kind of the business world or the tech world or something like that, kind of thinking about um, maybe being an entrepreneur or maybe try, trying something different with their career. And I think this is a great, great advice on how to do it. You got to work hard. You got to set your sights high and, uh, and then just make the most of everything. And um one thing I wanted to ask you about earlier, you mentioned Snapchat and Instagram, I think related to your your students. And I want to ask you, like, so you're tapped in like pretty hardcore to like the next generation. And, uh, you know, for the people listening that I think are like interested in like digital marketing, I think um, we want to know like, where is our audience going to be next and like where, where our audience is now. And so I have so many clients that are like, oh, no one's on Snapchat anymore. No one's on Instagram anymore. Like, you know, or it's, it's only for this audience or it's only for that audience. Like, what's your take on, you know, I guess from you personally and your students, like, where are they spending their time online that you see and where do you, like, what do you think is next based on uh, what you're seeing right now? Wow, that, that I mean, it just seems limitless. Because yeah. you know, you,
1: before I remember having a, a Nintendo or a Game Boy, and your parents saying you're gonna you're rotting your brain, go outside and play, wasting time on those computers. And 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 now you see initiatives and programs that are trying to int, uh, introduce how to write code to young girls and 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 boys about you know maximizing or utilizing that time to understand what's involved with that. So I actually hear these conversations to my students. Saying, like, you know, it's not just me getting the new, what is that, uh, the new app or new video game that's coming out. Like, they really are interested in understanding about graphic design. And, you know, we, we kind of incorporate it in the classrooms and we have to understand the importance of PowerPoint presentations and taking it to the next level outside of just, you know, using a, a basic template that's offered within Word documents or something like that, Excel. And so just, or understand the importance of being tapped in and, and, and using and understanding the brand. And, and that's something that we talk about a lot in, in the classrooms today about representing yourself and understanding that your social media presence is basically you imprinting your brand out there for the world to see. You have to be very aware of the content that you attach to your brand. So, you know, even though these silly little uh, bind copulations or attaching links to certain websites when you might see some something that seems entertaining but you got to make sure that you're you know, uh, associating yourself with something that's, that you're, you're okay with being connected to for an extended period of time And so making sure that kids are aware of their social media presence and making sure that they are align themselves with things, and again, kids are going to be kids, trust me I'm I remind them all the time, like I am so glad that the worst thing I had to worry about was a Polaroid that I didn't burn all the way through, or um, the, the little cameras that you, you wind and you drop off at the, at the drugstore, and, yep. and, and maybe you didn't, if you left it around and your parents found it or something. Not that I did anything like that. I had a younger brother, right, right. But, um, <laughs> but th- that was that was the worst of the things that I had to worry about. But now, like these these kids can, you know, have to be aware that they can't be reckless with that because there's also legal ramifications involved. So kids are really applying the Snapchat with the filters. They love that. I mean, it's they in they're so savvy in terms of, you know, editing and altering pictures and I mean and I have to pay closer attention. I'm like, wow, I mean, aside from the fact that okay, they are teenagers, so but I remember my skin as a 16 17 year know it didn't look that airbrushed, and that good but they're, <laughs> they're, they're so savvy and they're they're always on to the next one like the the editing the photoshopping technology like the youtube tutorials that is the thing that i'm seeing a lot like my five-year-old niece and i didn't even understand this is, you know you write papers about you know the, the amazement of like a company like disney who their commercials are, they're already building and embedding loyalists to their company and to their products. But the commercials and the product and how they target, they target them. And, like, my niece loves anything with Dora the Explorer. These, these, these little things, I just forgot the name of them, these little, they're so little. Munchkins, I don't know, I, I'm not doing a good job. Yeah. But, you know, stuff. what are they called?
0: There's these There's these YouTube channels. So my daughter plays with Shopkins. And, yeah, uh, those little are. tiny, yeah, yeah, she loves them. And, you know, it's funny because where she found out about them is kind of what you were talking about. There are these YouTube channels, basically funded by a lot of these companies, where it's literally just like a man and a woman and they just open up toys. They have like a camera, they open up toys, yeah. they talk about the toys. And, uh, my daughter is like obsessed with, you know, the YouTube channels where they just open up the toys. And that's how she learns about things. Now there's no, like, I remember it was like, uh, like my buddy and Teddy Ruxpin and stuff, like all those ads when we were growing up, like on, uh, on Nickelodeon or whatever, you would see those ads. And that's how I learned about what the coolest toy was. And now my daughter just goes on YouTube and that's how she's learning about Shopkins. Right. So it's, uh, it's crazy how that's changing. And, um, yeah, a couple of things like your what you were talking about with your students. I mean, for me as an as somebody who would potentially be hiring people uh who are in high school right now within the next like ten years, um, like resumes are going out of style a little bit because like people like me and, and other other peers of mine, like we look more at, you know, what what do you like we just we can just Google you and we just go find you on Facebook and LinkedIn and whatever and we can see what you're up to. And so, um, it's much easier for us to figure out who a person is now than it was like within the last 10 years, because uh, we like we would have just gotten a resume and that's like someone's PR version of themselves. Whereas I mean, social media can be too, but uh, for the most part um, it is kind of a more of a reflection on who you are. And so your point about just kind of advising your students on, on uh, being cognizant of that, I think is good. And uh, it's interesting to know, you know, with the Snapchat filters, seems to be kind of the number one thing, like this augmented reality where it's like half you and half something else, you know, uh, seems to be um, pretty captivating for a lot of people, and uh, it's just interesting to, to see where that'll go. Um, so really cool to uh, get your take on all of that, and uh, I really appreciate your time today. I uh, I think we should do it again, perhaps, if you'd be up for it. I'm, uh, I wanted to, I've always been curious about what you've been up to. And, uh, you know, Wikipedia and uh, WNBA.com only do so good, so good of a job, you know, giving me my Barbara Ferris information. So, so Facebook, <laughs> uh been cool to, to, to stay friends with you there. And uh, I'm glad we were able to do this. I really appreciate you being on and uh, wish you the best of luck. And uh, I'm just really happy for you. If you ever want to talk to Kate, or my dad, they are, like, you know, educators, and they love to always talk about, you know, they always like to knowledge share about education. And uh, if you ever want to, you know, if you ever want to add people to your network to do that, I know they'd be happy to talk to you, so.
1: Oh, thank you so very much. I'm, I'm, I'm almost at it again, Hickie. Paul, uh, thank you so much for your time. I mean, again, you have always been one of the joys that I recall from my time in the WNBA. And the tour was an amazing place and you only made it that much more memorable. I definitely appreciate you allowing me to speak on your platform. And I feel smarter, like, wow, I'm learning. Again, you can feel old in a, in a room full of 17-year-olds quite often, but <laughs> thank you again for allowing me to speak with it. I'd love to do it again, definitely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. uh Like I said, and I mean this, I mean this too, like at the beginning of the show, I said, like you were, I mean, you really helped me get through some tough times. I was like 23 years old and, you know, I had like people who were basically six foot 11 yelling at me all the time. (laughs) And, uh, I was trying to keep my head up and learn and be positive and, you know, make the most of my experience. And, uh, you were just like, you were always consistent. You were always, uh, personable. You were always just helpful and, uh. I'll just never forget that. So um I'm I'm glad you're doing well and let's stay in touch and thanks again. And uh I'll let you know um I'll let you know about uh sharing this podcast with your network and uh good luck with everything. Thanks again.
1: All right, thank you, and you have a great weekend. All
0: right, Barbara Ferris, everybody, W N B A veteran, now a coach and uh teacher in New Orleans and uh she is she is the best. So Thanks again for listening to episode three and uh, you will hear from us again soon. Have a great day.